Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. New York City law enforcement is ramping up security measures ahead of the possible Trump indictment tomorrow. Meanwhile, lawmakers are responding to Trump's call for protests. NTD's Arian Pazdar has more. The New York Police Department on Monday brought dozens of portable metal barricades to the Manhattan Courthouse Complex. They could be used to block off streets or sidewalks. This comes after former President Trump condemned a possible indictment against him. He called for people to protest the decision. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy urged for people to stay calm. I don't think people should protest this, no. And I, I, I think President Trump, if you talk to him, he doesn't believe that either. I mean, McCarthy says Trump's intention isn't to incite violence. However, Mayor Eric Adams on Monday said the city is preparing nonetheless, for example, by monitoring social media posts. NYPD is doing their normal role of making sure that uh, there are, there's no inappropriate actions in the city. Trump could be indicted for hush money he allegedly paid to an adult film star during his 2016 campaign. Democrat Nancy Pelosi wrote on Twitter, Whatever the grand jury decides, its consideration makes clear no one is above the law, not even a former president of the United States. NTD spoke with Jenna Ellis, a former lawyer for Trump's legal team. She says the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is targeting Trump politically. Even uh, the feds re refused and declined to prosecute this case, as well as Alvin Bragg's predecessor, Cyrus Vance, who was no fan of Donald Trump. So the fact that they are trying to make this, uh, this case by manipulating themselves into a legal pretzel just to get something out of it, um, I don't think is smart. I think it does look like a malicious prosecution. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also criticized Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. DeSantis says the DA should prosecute crime in the city instead of targeting Trump for something that happened years ago. You know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. This comes amid strained relations between DeSantis and Trump due to a likely DeSantis 2024 run for president. Meanwhile, three Republican House members sent a letter to DA Bragg on Monday demanding records and interviews for Trump's case. The lawmakers argue there is no legal basis for charges against Trump. The letter also condemns using former Trump attorney Michael Cohen as the key witness, saying he's lied before and that he's not on good terms with Trump. And Robert Costello, a former lawyer for Cohen, testified in New York on Monday. He reportedly gave information about Michael Cohen, questioning his credibility as a witness. Reporting by Arianne Pazdar, NTD News. And what are the implications of a potential Trump arrest? Entity Steve Lance explored the issue with Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. They also discussed the biggest GOP investigations happening between the halls of Congress right now. Here's a look. Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so much for joining us. Steve, good to be with you. Yeah. Congressman, as a member of the uh, House Judiciary and Oversight Committees, what would you say are some of the biggest tasks, the, the most important work at hand right now? Well, first of all, because the Judiciary Committee has jurisdiction over DOJ and FBI, I think that is a real important um, uh, task that we have to oversee what's been going on. That's why we have the weaponization subcommittee is in judiciaries to see what's going on. Uh, I think most Americans feel that they can't trust the government anymore, so we're going to get at the bottom of some of the reasons why, and we've already begun adducing evidence on that. Oversight Committee, same, same type of, of deal, but a little bit different structure focusing right now on everything from uh, COVID origins to um, uh, what's, what the Hunter Biden story is, the Biden family, and as you know, uh, recent uh, uh, documents that, we've come, that have come into our hands uh, about suspicious activities 
indicates uh, pretty clearly that $3 million was, was given to a dummy corporation from a uh, CCP-affiliated energy company in Ch China. So those are kind of where we're headed now. And, and, of course, you never can forget the border. That's a huge issue that we deal with. Speaking of the uh, weaponization, Congressman, that you mentioned, um, former President Trump possibly being arrested, what are the implications for a nation that is already so divided? Well, I think, I think you kind of lock in those divisions. I mean, this is, it would be a most outrageous and unnecessary arrest. I mean, the, the reality is uh, most of us would view these things, those, those of us who are lawyers would view these things as politically biased and motivated. I mean, normally you would say that's a, a, a litigation settlement uh, that that took place, and now they want to go through and put him in jail. And then the dis disparate treatment um, would just be compounding uh, everything from Bill Clinton's eight hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars payment that he made um, years ago, in and in, in actually, quite frankly, a disparate uh, situation. Hillary Clinton getting off scot free, um, and you begin to see that our our uh, legal institutions themselves are untrustworthy. They've become corrupted. They've become politically biased and motivated. And that really is the da most dangerous thing, quite frankly, in a constitutional republic is to lose the, the notion of uh, respect for law. Congressman, we're starting to see uh, Democrats, uh, political pundits, Democrat operatives starting to frame a narrative that nobody is above the law and that we're a, a nation of laws. Unpack these words for us for your average viewer who may not be knee-deep in politics. Well, normally, uh, th those, that platitude is, is actually correct for a constitutional republic. Nobody, everybody has to follow the law um, because when you, when you don't, you lose your freedom because it means that some people are receiving preference over another. Well, I don't know. Uh, one, one of the things that immediately jumps to my mind is Nancy Pelosi and her husband uh, using insider information to reap tens of millions of dollars in stock gains. I think of the people who cross the border illegally that are be being given work permits. I think of Alejandro Mayorkas, who's controlling the border, who's saying we're going to disregard the law on parole and we're going to just grant parole and, and free status to literally millions of people. I mean, you begin to go down and you, and you say, if you're Antifa or Black Lives Matter, or if you're attacking a pro-life uh, uh, clinic, guess what? You're gonna be okay. But if you uh, do something, maybe even like uh, trespass on the Capitol, um, some, were those, some of those people were violent. They get 20 years in prison, some of those people. And you begin to say, this is disparate treatment. And of course, they're going to use that narrative, Steve, because that's, that's where they're stuck. They're in that narrative because that allows them to gain access and control over the American populace. Congressman, you mentioned Antifa and Black Lives Matter. President Trump's calling for protests. Are you concerned at all about potential agent uh, provocateurs and, and people stirring things up and, and turning these protests violent? Yeah, I'm always, I am always concerned about, uh, about that because getting back to the weaponization, the FBI won't tell us how many people they had work in the crowd on January 6, 2021, and we really need to know that. But I, I think you can peacefully protest, um, and that's what should happen. If, if, you know, if people feel aggrieved, this is a beautiful country because we do allow you to protest, but they should be peaceful in nature. And, uh, you know, we've, I've always condemned violence uh, and again, gets back to what we were talking about, this disparate treatment. 
Um, I don't want to see any violence in connection to protests, uh, even though I think uh, the district attorney warrants being protested in New York City, but, and, and this action of arresting President Trump. But, I, but when you get beyond that, you have to say, why, why do we have a peaceful protester um, being charged with, with crimes under the FACE Act while well, you have people just throwing rocks, burning down buildings, and, and they weren't charged. Or if they were arrested, they were released within 24 hours, never to be charged again. Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so much. Thank you. Lawmakers on both the right and the left are in unison as they condemn China's Xi cozying up with Putin as Russia carries out this war against Ukraine. What are the implications to international order? It doesn't stop with giving support to Russia as the Chinese Communist Party's ideological warfare reaches around the entire globe. Here's my discussion earlier with the director of China policy at Washington-based think tank Center for Security Policy. Bradley Thayer, director of China policy at Center for Security Policy, thank you for joining us on this very important topic today. It's my pleasure. You say specifically that the most important thing for lawmakers to look at is to analyze uh, the ideological differences between China and the U.S. So could you help our audience understand what are those ideological differences and why is it crucial for world leaders and everyday people to understand the ideological differences between these two countries? Uh, uh, certainly. Um, the, the Cold War between the United States and China is occurring in every venue. The military, uh, intelligence uh, competition, in diplomacy, in economics, but also in the ideological realm, in the political realm. Uh, Mike Gallagher's committee in the House is going to do great work uh, in each of those areas, um, and certainly in the economic realm, that's going to receive a lot of attention. My argument was the political realm uh, also has to require uh, considerable attention, because here the United States has tremendous advantages over uh, the Chinese regime. Those advantages, first of all, are the differences between freedom and totalitarianism, uh, the difference between a, a stable uh, a society that relies on um, aspects of free market, the rule of law, uh, minimal corruption versus uh, the CCP's China. So drawing that contrast is going to be extremely important in this competition. We know that the CCP actually weakens our country by influencing people, for example, through social media, like TikTok, exporting their communist ideology through those means, as well as many others. Uh, could you give our audience a, a couple of examples of how exactly this is happening and how they may be unknowingly impacted by the Chinese Communist Party? Well, what they'll do, of course, is to promote every mechanism to weaken America, to divert attention from what they're doing globally, and to put Americans at sixes and sevens against one another. Uh, that's uh, their intent. And I think all Americans uh, recognize that and recognize the danger that it's not just economic. It's not just the loss of firms, the loss of uh, manufacturing jobs, uh, or the danger that the CCP poses as a result of pandemics, uh, COVID-19, and how they restricted personal protective equipment. Uh, to hurt Americans, obviously, to kill, to make sick and damage uh, Americans during the pandemic. But it's also an ideological fight. 
Right, and like you mentioned, the bipartisanship is very important. As we know, nothing can get done without bipartisanship with such a slim uh, margin in Congress. So you said in one of your articles that the CCP uses dehumanizing coercive measures to stay in power. Americans should recognize, of course, that the CCP is committing genocide against Muslims. And it shows how dehumanizing, of course, that form of government is, that communist government is. Americans might be aware of essentially forced or organ uh, transfers, that they're f focusing on Falun Gong members, for example, uh, and prisoners. Thirdly, world, uh, universal abuse of human rights uh, in China. The targeting of Chinese Americans, Chinese citizens living in the United States uh, for coercive measures. The, the CCP's reach, of course, is negative, not just within China, but it's also global. And as Americans become aware of these facts and as they recognize what the CCP is actually doing and how dehumanizing it is, it simply underscores uh, the fact that Americans uh, increasingly are going to reject this. They see the CCP as an enemy, and rightfully so. What ways can lawmakers hold China to account in a very stern way? So it's incumbent in terms of actual steps to take would be to engage in that ideological fight, not to allow Xi Jinping to sell himself as a great arbiter with Putin or with uh, between Iran and Saudi Arabia, but to recognize that he's a thug uh, and an odious uh, leader and representative, of course, of a duplicitous and horrible uh, regime. Uh, additionally, steps that we can take are to support Taiwan, because Taiwan shows what China could be, a democracy which is dynamic, uh, flourishing, uh, and, and, and very deep. Uh, it shows what China might have been if the communists hadn't come to power. So helping Taiwan actually helps us in the ideological fight, as well as in the intelligence competition, military competition, and other forms of uh, the deep and persistent uh, security competition between the United States and China. So all of those measures uh, can be taken, combating CCP's propaganda wherever it occurs, whether that's online or whether that's in print uh, or whether that's in the narratives. Um, ultimately, people recognize that freedom is superior to totalitarianism. Very important point. Thank you so much, Bradley, Director of China Policy at Center for Security Policy. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.